Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today, we're talking about drugs. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> I, I just, I needed to come out of the gate with something interesting. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about um, the concept that drugs may be more attached to scripture than we would think. Now, I'm just going to give you the spoiler alert. Randy and I disagree, but we're going to spend the rest of the episode saying why we disagree. <laughs> and we're going to get to that as soon as we get back from this word from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. All right, Randy. So, um, are you excited? (laughs) (laughs) I'm petrified. (laughs) There's a lot to cover here, man. There's a lot to cover here. Um, to the, to the listeners. And, and you know, uh, we've talked about this a little bit and I've kind of given you enough to, to let you study to get through this, but I feel like I'm going to have to lead the assault on this one because I have been racking my brain. Reading books I really don't want to read just so I can talk about this. Dude, I mean, as far as drugs go, you are talking to a complete and total drug virgin here. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, interestingly enough, so is the guy that wrote the book we're going to talk about today. Yeah, cool. And he's also a huge proponent for them, apparently. Uh, It's it's a lot. It's weird. Um, With that said, though, uh, this was a listener question a long time ago was uh, not necessarily a question, but kind of saying, hey, will you talk about this? Because this is something I've heard, and I, I want to hear that. your thoughts okay. on this. Um, well, cool. This is a pretty common controversy today. You listen to any episode of Joe Rogan. You listen to some Lex Friedman. He's had Brian Morariski on. Um, they, they've had Graham Hancock. They talk about uh, – oh, what's the other guy's name? Terrence McKenna, he's another writer in this area. John I have Allegro. Heard about none of those guys except Joe Rogan, who I know from news radio. Well, Rogan <laughs> loves reading Terrence McKenna, Graham Hancock, and John Allegro, and Brian Morarescu. Okay. And that's what we're talking about today, is okay. these views um, that basically try to equate the Christian worldview to a drug experience. Wow. Now, it's been done a million different ways. All right. This has been talked about in different ways. And and um we'll get into that. But I think first we need to talk about the drugs we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Because for anybody that is not well-versed in drugs, and I hope, you know, you're all not. 
Um, but I went to Ball State, so I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, 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 something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, just over the years listening to talks about this stuff, I've picked up a little bit of this and I'm no expert in, in what each of these things are, but I do want to give you a little bit of understanding on each of these drugs and, and kind of what they, what they are, where, what they mean. Um, the first one's DMT. Okay. You've probably heard of that maybe. Uh, only through you. Okay. Joe Rogan, huge DMT fan. Do you he know what it stands for? Yeah. It's uh dimethyltryptamine. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's got the word trip right in the middle of it. Yes, it does. <laughs> and buddy, let me tell you, that's what it does. Okay. Um, these are all hallucinogenic drugs that we're going to be talking about for now, a reason. You told me that DMT is what your body releases uh, upon death. That is what I've always heard. I, I don't want to maybe go that okay. route on here. because maybe and it may not well, be. Okay. Well, here's the deal. It's in our bodies. Okay. It is in our bodies. It's found in plants and animals. And okay. actually, if you ever take DMT – Right. If you ever find which your we are hands not on saying it, you no, should, you should not. You should definitely not. We'll get to that by the end of this. Um, but it came out of either a plant or an animal. And okay. if it came out of an animal, it came out of its brain, out of its pineal gland. Oh wow. Um, but basically, it gives you a trip that lasts about twelve, ten to fifteen minutes, something like that. Um, and the people that report on this drug say it feels like they experienced a reality that was like more real than real. They are saying that it doesn't feel like a trip. Right. That, that it's, it's not like taking a drug. Look, I'll be the first to say, um, you know, I, I had my, I sowed my wild oats in college. I smoked weed. I did. Um, but it didn't make me feel like I was in some other place experiencing some other reality. Okay. It just altered my, my mind and it like slowed me down, but things were otherwise normal. This is like DMT people are saying it's like I've just been teleported to another dimension and I am literally living there. Well, wow. that's the the way they report this drug, right? So I mean okay. this is this is like a different class of thing we're talking yeah, about here. Yeah. This isn't just smoking some weed when you're in high school, which I also don't think is okay by the way. <laughs> um we are not proponents of that either. Um but we're just trying to help you understand that this is not weed we're talking about. Right, this right, is right. like you're in a different place. These are the drugs that these these people that you mentioned are talking right. about. The second one is ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a plant-based drug. Uh, it's a it's a concoction, and I believe it also contains DMT. So DMT may be one of the common occurrences here through through several of these drugs. Um, ayahuasca has been used in different like Native American cultures and Mayan cultures, things like that, and they use it to contact their gods. Um, it would generally be used in like, uh, religious rites throughout history. And even today, if you go, they, they, <laughs> uh, I just heard Ron White, the comedian talk yeah. about, he had an alcohol problem. And so he went and he went to an ayahuasca retreat and they had a shaman there and there were like 30 people and they all just tripped on ayahuasca and he came out of it and he's been sober ever since. So they're actually using this stuff as like medication now, Wow, which is where, I mean, I don't know that it's legal. Wow. But they are doing it. And so it's it's very sketchy. Um, but generally throughout history, they would go to meet the snake goddess Ayahuasca. And so many people would have this trip. And from the way I understand it, Ayahuasca is not as potent as DMT, I don't think. I think it can kind of teeter between like maybe a crazy trip on weed versus DMT. Okay. It can kind of go to either 
side of things. All right. But there have been people report meeting entities, meeting aliens. Uh, Stephen Greer, the scientist today, right? He's a uh, he's a government scientist. He actually made he's big on aliens, right? Okay. Which I'm not we could do a whole episode on aliens, but it's probably gonna land on a lot of the <laughs> Several same Several times you've talked about doing an episode on aliens. Well the yeah. problem is it's gonna land on many of the same conclusions this episode gotcha. is gonna land on, so it'd yeah. be redundant. So yeah. if you want an aliens episode, just go ahead and insert alien every time I say gods here. How about that? <laughs> um but I feel like Stephen Greer, uh well he he's been going out and taking these trips with like celebrities like Demi Lovato was one of them I know. Uh, but people will go out in the desert with him and they'll all take ayahuasca and then they'll see like these little lights come down and they've said that they've, they've had like these communion moments with these aliens where these aliens tell them that they love them and they just want to be in a relationship with them and they just want to be part of their life. And like they're contacting something, but they're all reporting the same incidents. So they're like kind of seeing it together. There's similar, uh, similar records of people going out to the desert, taking ayahuasca, and then all seeing the same like gnomes come out of the forest to talk to them. So there's this weird like shared experience thing going on with ayahuasca. Um, That's DMT and ayahuasca. The third one is psilocybin mushrooms. They're a hallucinogenic mushroom. The reason I'm even mentioning them is because one of the guys that raises a theory about the Bible thinks that it was a psilocybin mushroom that was the cause. Um, And then the last one, which is the one we're going to be focusing on for the most part here, is ergot. Okay. Ergot is a fungus. Okay. It's hallucinogenic. It's psychedelic. But it's also poisonous. It's a fungus, but it's not a mushroom. That's how I understand it. Okay. Yeah, that's how I understand. It okay. may be, it may form into them. I'm not sure. Um, the, the reason I don't know is because the way we're going to be talking about it is barley that's been laced with ergot. So what happens is, is barley can actually grow ergot on it. Gotcha. And that is the specific barley gotcha. being used okay. in these concoctions. Okay. Okay. So they're making beers and wines, but the beers and wines have been spiked with hallucinogenic fungus. Is essentially the concept here. Y'all, if you're listening to this point and you're going, I'm in over my head, amen you are. I've been reading this book for 15 hours <laughs> and I have many, many complaints with it. And the reason I'm talking about all this, the reason I feel like this is so important is because this book I'm talking about sold 3 million copies. It's being talked about on the world's biggest podcasts. And there are huge groups of people in the world right now that believe that if they need healing in life, they need to go take hallucinogenic drugs. And if they want to know God, they need to go take hallucinogenic drugs. Wow. That is dangerous. That is wrong. And that's why we're doing this episode. And it, and it, it doesn't introduce you to God. No, absolutely not. Well, it may introduce you to somebody, but not well, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so, I mean, do you have any questions thus far? Or are you hanging with me? Oh, I'm with you so far. Okay. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? 
There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org/impact. Yep. Um okay, a couple claims that are not by I'll just say the book we're talking about today is called The Immortality Key. And it's by a guy named Brian Marariscu. Okay? Um, we're going to get to that one, but I want to name a couple other guys that or a couple other claims that have been made. Um, there are a couple of men that wrote a lot on this before Brian Marariscu ever did. Their names are Terrence McKenna and John Allegro. We're not focusing on them because their writings have been taking place over the last several decades. I think Allegro dates back to like the 60s, maybe 70s. So like this has been a theory for a long while. Um, but some of these claims that have been made over the years were like that the burning bush, right? That Moses' encounter with God on Mount Sinai was a DMT trip. That this bush was a yew tree and that yew trees do contain uh, DMT. And so if it was set on fire and Moses breathed that in, then he very well may have believed that he saw God. Okay. They make claims like that. They make claims like Jesus never existed. That uh, he was the result of a psilocybin mushroom use and that the <laughs> – yeah, I know, I know. And that the myth was created out of their experiences through that, that they became enlightened and then over time they needed like an embodiment, a figure to like be that character. Some of these are actually heresies of the first three centuries that were uh, – All that of were it rejected. is. Yeah. All of it is. Yeah. And that's what, what you're going to see over and over again is this all comes back to Gnosticism. It all comes back to the enlightenment of the self and that God lives within us and that they always make it that God isn't an actual person, but that he's like some force that exists in gotcha. everything. Gotcha. It's gotcha. always yeah. like a pantheistic uh, New Age worldview. It's very, very sketchy stuff. Okay. But but then they – they talk about it like it's just how it is. So you never get to see the other side of the coin. Like they never show okay. you the other side of the argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of silly. Those are, those are dumb. We could refute those pretty quickly. They're not what I want to focus on. Right. Right. I want to focus on Brian Mararescu's view. Okay. Because he doesn't even necessarily seem to jive with all these other views. Some of them he thinks are interesting. Okay. Like Terrence McKenna believes in the enlightened ape theory. That over the years, like cavemen kind of characters <laughs> or or apes um, used hallucinogenic mushrooms over and over again. And over the course of millions of years of coming into contact over and over with these things, that's what spiked the evolution from ape to man. Okay? Silly. Whatever. Yeah. Mararescu talks a little bit about that like in interviews, but not in this book. Right. In right. this book, he's focused on this theory. That civilizations throughout time have been spiking beer and wine so they could go meet God. That's, that's kind of what he's trying to lean on. Um, he talks about a place called Eleusis. Um, in Eleusis, this would have been a, a mystery cult. And, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of mystery cults, but mystery cults, 
uh, are mysteries. We don't know what actually happens in them. And so it's kind of interesting that uh, the author chooses to base his entire hypothesis uh, off of something that he can't actually totally understand. Uh, I'm going to say that is red flag number one. Um, Randy just ran out of the room here because he had to go find his apocrypha because we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but Murarescu is basically saying, look, there's trace evidence throughout history that says that these mystery cults are using spiked wines and spiked beers. And based on that evidence, he's going to build the rest of his argument. I just want to go ahead and say, I do believe that he's right when he says that cultures throughout time have been using spiked wines and spiked beers to meet God. I think there's plenty of evidence for that. And I think if you get anything out of this book, if anybody listens to this and says, hey, I want to read that, I think there's a lot to learn as far as that goes. There's a lot of good evidence, a lot of good reasoning he uses as to maybe the Greeks, the Romans, uh, ancient, more ancient civilizations using these wines to, to contact their gods. But that's kind of where I think the buck stops with this book. Right, right, right. Everything past that is just – observation and it doesn't it doesn't add up um observation or speculation speculation sorry yeah. sorry sorry yeah. that's a good good uh good call um so basically he he makes the claim that since these other cultures were using these spiked wines and spiked beers um that their cults would have been based around uh first Eleusis would have been Demeter and Persephone Okay. 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 But then it would have been Dionysus after that. Gotcha. Dionysus is also named Bacchus, depending right. on whether you're in Greece or Greece you're in or Rome, Rome, right? Um that cult would not have taken place far from Galilee. And so he's trying to make the claim that Jesus Christ sees this culture that brought life to people supposedly right because there are people on record there's there are great philosophers that say elusis is the center of life and if you destroy it you will destroy all source of life there are people <laughs> saying that right these drugged out philosophers right, apparently right hedonism yeah yeah and so Mararescu is saying Jesus saw this culture and saw that these people realized that if they wanted to truly live then they had to drink the blood of Dionysus the wine Right, and that they would live forever. Now, do do, do uh, mystery religions talk about drinking the blood of their god? So Dionysus does. Okay, uh, and it, it actually it may be in the Bacchae, which is a, a book about Bacchus, okay. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I can't remember if it's in one of Dionysus's writings or one about Bacchus. They're the same character, though. Okay. Um, but there's something to the effect of. If you drink my blood, you will live forever. And his blood is the wine. Because Dionysus, Bacchus, is the god of ecstasy. He's the god of theater. And he is the god of wine. And this wine will let you live forever. Okay. Um, and so Mararescu is making the claim that Jesus is taking that and he's building his own cult upon this idea. Because Jesus wants to further this truth, this true message. So he's turning Jesus into a new ager, not a Jew, right off the bat. Gotcha. He's making yeah, Jesus yeah, Gnostic, yeah. which is a huge problem right. because Jesus is so Jewish. 
Yeah. Like everything oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does is Jewish. Yeah. Um, so something to note about this is that throughout history, women were the priestesses, the practitioners of this brew. Right. And so then he's leaning on the fact, well, Jesus puts emphasis on women, whereas other religions didn't at the time and essentially says that okay. um, there are all these uh, similarities between Jesus and Dionysus. And so clearly they're the same person. And so then he needs this movement to make sense. So that is actually what the Lord's Supper, what the communion is based on, is that it is the, it's the, the sacrament of Dionysus, the blood of Dionysus. Jesus is stealing that. He's now saying, this is my body. This is my blood. You must drink this. Um, and if you do, you'll live forever. And he's saying the reason he has to do this is because the Greeks needed something to latch on to. And this is the reason why Christianity had such an explosive growth. Yeah. Is because Jesus related it to a previous Greek god. Which was very it, popular. Right. And so and, and so that's the whole claim of the book. And then he says that, you know, the Roman Catholic Church comes about and that they then take the women out of the picture because they want to increase the patriarchy. And once they take the women, the witches out of this, you know, the practitioners out of this, then they lose the actual ingredients. So they don't know how to make it anymore. So it loses its hallucinogenic properties. That's the whole oh, argument. Oh, 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 wow. Isn't this crazy? Wow. It's a lot, wow. man. Wow. I mean, yeah. and I'm it's sorry like, that that's so much to unpack, but like it's all over the place. And listening to the book is not much better because he's really wordy and he's really smart um, as far as like understanding languages and things. So he's just bouncing these facts back and forth, or facts, I say loosely, but like he's bouncing these concepts back and forth, just right, rapid right, fire. Right, and right. it's so hard to track with all this. So I apologize, but the, it just kind of has to be that way. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So what are your thoughts thus far? <laughs> I know this is a lot. The, yeah. Yeah. What what it seems to be to me is that uh, he's picking up on a couple of things. He's picking up on points of comparison between uh, mystery religions, between Bacchus, uh, between Jesus. You talk about drink my blood and you'll have eternal life. Jesus actually says that. Whoever drinks my blood will have eternal life. John 6, uh, uh, what is that, 54. And and so a point of that is some of John's wording, and, and this is factual. I'm, I'm not saying he's stretching the truth on this. Right. This is just true. Some of John's wording here is making it very clear that John, the gospel writer of John, is drawing conclusions between Jesus and Dionysus. Uh, because similarity, of, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, drawing comparisons well, between because some of the some of the passages of John are almost one for ones okay. of the Bacchae. and we know for a fact that that predated John. Yes, they, they're not borrowing from John. No, it, predate, it predates okay. John. Yeah, okay. But here's the deal: that's not a problem. God does that all throughout history. Uh, yeah, all through the Old Testament, he's uh, my favorite one is Abraham. When Abraham meets God, he calls him El. El is the highest deity of the Canaanite gods. But that's all that Abraham knew to call God. And so God doesn't put him in his place and get mad at him. He's just like, yeah, sure, I'll be El. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can call me that. That's probably the closest you're going to get. You know, like it, it's interesting to me that God allows these human imperfection stories to kind of hash out who he really is. Right. Yeah. 
Um, another couple lines to draw while we're just doing the whole Bacchus or Dionysus, whatever you want to say, uh, comparisons to Jesus is he claims, uh, Merariscu, the author claims that, um, you know, some other similarities are that Bacchus wears purple. He's robed in purple and Jesus is given a purple robe at the crucifixion, right? And that Bacchus wears a crown made of earth and so does Jesus, right? His crown of thorns and that Bacchus actually is is a uh, a goat. He's represented as a goat. And so you're eating <laughs> the flesh of the goat versus Jesus, you're eating the flesh of the lamb. Yeah. And he kind of says, you know, goat, lamb, whatever, no big deal. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Is a big deal. It's totally a big deal. <laughs> we got to get into that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk for a minute. Well, yeah. So uh, just some of the things that you said. There's certainly points of comparison. Uh, uh, Jesus wore purple. Uh, yes, he did at his crucifixion. Not by choice. They put purple on him. He wore a crown of thorns. Yeah, he did. Not by choice. They they put it on him. This was Romans, who perhaps would have known of the mystery religions, but I think more than that, the mystery religions there were looking at common culture. Uh, Caesar, uh, kings would wear purple. Yes. Uh, kings would wear laurel leaves. So Bacchus. Champions, victors. Champions, victors. That's, that's, uh, the Olympic thing. They, they, they had a, a crown of laurel leaves that they put well, that, on the, the winners. That's like in scripture when it talks about receiving your crown. Is it not referring to like in the race? Like, Yeah, yeah. Paul does actually talk about that a couple of times. That the victor gets when a crown. When he writes to his Roman audience. Right, because, yeah. they, because it's familiar language to them. Right, exactly. It's not that it's like, oh, yeah, and if you get the crown, you'll be like Dionysus. It's no, if you get the crown, you'll get what every other guy that's ever won a race got. Yeah. That that um, these are common themes. These are common themes in that culture. Common themes of victors or or great people. So, when the Romans want to mock Jesus, they give him a crown. They don't want to give him laurel leaves, so they they give him a crown of thorns because that's painful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's blood now dripping down his face. They give him a, a a purple robe, and then they take it away. Jesus is not crucified in the purple robe. They give him the purple robe and then they rip it off, take it away. And, uh, Jesus is crucified naked. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So some points of similarity, but when you look at it, it is so different. Well, it's such a reach. Do you want to get into the goat and lamb thing? I think we should. Yeah. So when Jesus talks about the goats and the lambs, um, one of the uh, the first place that my mind goes to is Matthew 25, Mark chapter 13, uh, before the judge of all history, uh, he calls everyone before him and he divides them into the goats and the lambs. Right. The lambs are the good guys. They're the people who've been faithful. They're the people who've been righteous. They're the people who have given water to the thirsty, food to the hungry. The goats didn't. And he drives the goats from his presence. Yeah. But, you know, here's the funny thing about that, right? Is let's say that the gospel authors do know the story of Dionysus. Yeah. And they most certainly do, right? Yeah, they're 
smart fellows. Like they're living in that time, in that place where, I mean, well, where we're about to go talking about second Maccabees, they had to have known about Dionysus, they, they right? They absolutely did. And if Dionysus is depicted as a goat and Jesus says, yeah, there's people out there that are going to say that they're like me and that they're my followers, but they're not. They're just goats. <laughs> and then there's the people that actually do know me and actually do follow me, and they're my sheep. They're my lambs. And you don't even have to go to Jesus. You can go straight to the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the the lamb was sacrificed to, to purify. But the goat was sacrificed once a year. And what did they do? The scapegoat. They put the sins of all Israel on them and him out. they threw them out. And where did they send them to? Uh, to death, to Azazel. To Azazel. Yes, yes. they sent him to yes. death. And so, yeah, like there's so this lamb, common goat, theme. Same thing, uh, not exactly. And listen, <laughs> y'all, I, the reason we're doing this is because this is such a popular book, which means there are a lot of people, That's maybe familiar. Christians, misled. Because I'll be honest, there were parts of this reading this book where he'd make a point and I'd go, oh no, what am I going to do with that? And I'd have to stop and like, it'd really bother me. Yeah. And then in two sentences, he'd say something else and I'd be like, oh, okay, never mind. That totally nullifies it. But like, <laughs> I've got a decent amount of biblical knowledge to back up my, to, to be able to go back to and go, well, wait, no, that doesn't add up. Yeah. For somebody that's maybe new to the faith that's reading this book, it could crush your faith if oh, you man. didn't take enough time to think through it. So that's what I'm trying to do here is like say, look, this is worth thinking about, worth talking about because we got to get to the bottom of some of these crazy, crazy claims. Um, so want- one, of the, one of the claims uh, relates the Lord's Supper to mm-hmm. the Dionysian uh, festivals that they have, orgies that they would have. Why wouldn't you though, right? Because, I mean, Dionysus does straight up say that that this is my body, or sorry, this is my blood. Right. And if you don't drink it, you'll die. Yeah, my right ear's going out a little bit too. I yeah. wonder what that's all about. I don't know. Sorry, we're having yeah. an audio Keep difficulty, going. but I think it's on our end. So I hope you guys okay. are good on yours. Um, but yeah, it, it's th- there's definitely lines drawn between you know the Lord's Supper and what Dionysus says. Yeah. But there's so much that the author doesn't mention. Right. And right. that that is clearly that this is the Passover. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is having the Passover with his with his friends. This is the Seder meal. This is drinking the wine and eating the bread just as Jews had done for we don't know how long, right? We did some research on this part because we wanted to give you guys a straight answer. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I can't find a straight answer. Yeah, yeah. That's that Part of the problem is – um, Judaism uh, continues to practice Passover. Uh, uh, Passover is the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? where they get rid of all leaven in their house. I was actually invited to a friend's house. He's Jewish. She was Jewish. And uh, they invited us to celebrate uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread with them. We went to their house, and they went into detail explaining how they had in their house two sets of dishes, two sets of cutlery, and the one set of dishes would be used one week during the year. And that's what we were eating on. Leaven would never touch it. Hmm. Uh, not the forks, spoons, knives, <coughs> not the plates, not the not the glasses. When you say leaven, you mean yeast. 
Leaven, yeast. Yeah. 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 Because of that, there are actually some who question whether in the time of Jesus, they actually even had wine at the Passover meal. Because of the yeast in the wine? Because there is yeast in wine. Right. There are some who say, and I (laughs) went on the web, it's on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? (laughs) Uh, But apparently there are some Jews who would celebrate Passover. They take a gallon of water and they drop three to four pounds of raisins in it. And then they set it by a hearth. So there's just a very, very little bit of heat going into it. It's constant. And for a month. And at the end of the month, the raisins have seeped into the water. It's sweet, but it's not alcoholic. Right. And uh, I looked. Uh, The word wine occurs 34 times in the New Testament. It never occurs during the Lord's Supper. Really? It never says Jesus took the wine. It says he took the cup. It says he took the cup. Uh, and when Jesus refers to the liquid in the cup, he doesn't call it wine. He calls it the fruit of the vine. So it very well could have been what you're talking about it here. It could have been what I'm talking about. It could have been simple grape juice. Uh, the, the point is, if laced wine is is foundational to what Jesus is trying to do, why wouldn't he make a big deal about it? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he mention he, it? Why wouldn't he mention it? Yeah. Now, the word cup, that occurs 31 times uh, in the New Testament, 12 of those times is in reference to the Lord's Supper. 10 of those times is in reference to God's cup of wrath. Hmm. Uh, he that comes in the book of Revelation, but also comes in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus says, let this cup pass from me. Yeah, And it also occurs when Jesus looks at James and John and says, can you drink the cup that I'm about ready to drink from? And they say, well, sure, you know, we're asking for positions of authority and, and power. If authority and power's in it for me, I'll put up with anything. I'll put up with a drink of whatever. I'll drink kerosene if I have to. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, y- you do not have clear references to uh, wine at the Lord's Supper. The few uses of wine, uh, uh, like I said, 34 times in the New Testament, 10 times is in what Jesus says about not putting new wine in old wineskins. Six times in the New Testament, they say, don't drink a lot of wine. Don't drink much wine. Man, that's that's like 20% of what they talk about is uh, don't drink it uh, in excess. If that's what it is, then <laughs> how can it be Bacchus? Right, was, right. If if the point of drinking wine is to never reach excess, the whole point of drinking Dionysus's wine is to be put into a near death scenario. Right. Which is I'm going to say pretty drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that's that's a lot of wine. Yeah. The point is made twice that they tried to give Jesus wine at the crucifixion and twice when he tasted it he spit it out. He said I want that. Was it not uh I've read 
and uh, you're bringing this back because I did not plan for this, but um, I've read that they gave them drugged wine at times. Yeah, and so they, they wondered would. if that if the if the sour wine was drugged wine. Um, what what uh, what the text says is wine mixed with myrrh. Now you know is that I what it know. literally says? It in the literally text? says oh. with myrrh. Now I don't know if if one of the texts says that. I don't know if myrrh was one of the hallucinogenic drugs or if myrrh refers to a number of compounds. But the issue is when Jesus tasted it, he spit it out. He didn't want it. He didn't want it. He didn't want it. Hmm. Um, do you want to talk about the Maccabean Revolt? <laughs> That's an interesting one. So uh, uh, looking up, I did find this this reference. It's in Second Maccabees. Now, Second Maccabees is part of the Apocrypha. Uh, this is a book that would be found in quote unquote Catholic Bibles because they accept the Apocrypha. Or the Eastern Orthodox Bible. Or the Eastern Orthodox Bible. What I actually have here is an Anglican Bible. The mm. Anglicans also accept the Apocrypha. In the book of Second Maccabees. Can, can we back is, that up a little bit more for anybody that maybe doesn't know what all that means? Right. So these as Protestant Christians, right, we would not accept this book as God-breathed, inspired scripture. This is not part of God's – This is not part of the Bible. Right. In this our is not eyes. part of the Bible. There are, some, there are some churches that would disagree. Yeah. Regardless, we believe that this is good historical material. When Martin Luther translated scripture from uh, – uh, Latin and put it in German. He separated out the Apocrypha. And as an introduction to the Apocrypha, he said, this is not God's word, but it is important historical information. Yeah. So Martin Luther said, this is, this is probably factual, but it's not inspired. It would be like reading a history book. Yeah. Right. Exactly. History books are good. We learn from history uh, books. They're not definitely. the Bible. Right. Right. That's exactly how we're looking at this. So Second Maccabees tells the story of the Maccabean Revolt. During the Maccabean Revolt, there was an emperor named uh, Epiphanes or Antiochus IV. Antiochus IV was Jewish, and he tried to convert Judaism into essentially a Hellenistic religion. He saw the way things were going, how Rome was rising in power. And he said, I want to be on the side of the winners. And so he tried to convert Judaism, Israel, into Greek palaces, Greek cities. So he made a gymnasium in each one. He, uh, since in the gymnasium you would practice sports naked, he actually authorized, participated in, and promoted an operation whereby the foreskin was re-added. Yeah. To to the Jews? Yeah. Yeah. And he encouraged what people does that to go even out and mean? do that. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I have I have no clue what that even looks like. That is more graphic than anything you could have shown me. Is I, the thought you just put in my head. Well, I can't Sorry show you everybody. That's, <laughs> That's, yeah, that's no, but terrifying. Th this fellow was bad news. And to boot, he then took a pig into the temple and ordered that it be sacrificed on the altar. Now, pigs were unclean animals. This would have made the altar unclean. Um, 
the priest there refused to do it. They killed the priest, and he offered him anyway. He came back a year later, and he tried to do it again. This time, a fellow by the name of Judas Maccabees was there, and Judas refused to do it. Judas the Hammer. Judas the Hammer. That's Maccabees. That's, that's it's yeah, way cooler even, when you say it that even way. Even before Daryl <laughs> Isaacs, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So Judas the Hammer uh, killed the fella. He killed the pig, first of all. <laughs> Not on the altar, but just killed the pig. Then he killed the man that brought the pig. And then he started a revolution. And Israel, frankly, uh, held off the Roman army to such an extent that at the end of that time, the Roman Senate made Judaism what they called a religio licita, an allowable religion in the Roman Empire. They didn't have to do what Rome did. Interesting. So, which is why they're in the position they are when Jesus gets, like when Jesus yeah, is born. Exactly, exactly. It's like they're tolerated. All of this is like 180 to 220 years before Christ. Right. So I'm reading now Second Maccabees chapter six. But Judas, also called Maccabees, with about nine others, escaped to the desert where he and his companions lived in the mountains, fending for themselves like wild animals. They remained there living on what vegetation they found so as no, so as to have no share in the pollution. Shortly afterwards, King Antiochus sent an elderly Athenian to force the Jews to abandon their ancestral customs and no longer regulate their lives according to the laws of God. He was also a commissioned to pollute the temple at Jerusalem and dedicate to the Olympian Zeus and to dedicate the sanctuary of Mount Gerizim to Zeus, God of hospitality, following the practice of the local inhabitants. Um, he goes on and on. This evil hit them hard. They were forbidden to do things. They were forbidden to circumcise. Uh, they heaped the altar with impure offerings. They couldn't keep Sabbath or traditional festivals. And this is verse 7 where I wanted to get. On the monthly celebration of the king's birthday, the Jews were driven by brute force to eat the entrails of the sacrificial animals, which would have included pigs. They were forced-fed. Unclean uh, animals. Unclean animals. And on the feast of Dionysus, they were forced to wear ivy wreaths and join the procession in his honor. Now, this is what they were obligated to do and what they did instead of that was rebel and fight against Rome so they wouldn't have to do it. That does not sound like a religion that is saying, oh, this is good. Let's all do this. Which means this is happening a couple hundred years before Jesus is on the scene, right? And they know about it because at the end of the revolution, they institute a new festival, one that's not even in the Old Testament, Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the feast of the cleansing of the temple. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jewish or, Christmas. Or is it Purim? <laughs> Purim. It's Purim. Oh, it's why Purim. You, it's not Hanukkah. Why you got to come at me like that? Although Hanukkah is a different one. Okay. No, no. Purim is Esther. Hanukkah is the, the cleansing of the temple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So with that said, if Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, hey, I'm going to need you to do this thing that only the Dionysian people do, that only the people that follow Bacchus or Dionysus do. 
do you really think a bunch of Jewish men are going to just go, okay? Or do you think they're going to be like, wait, we just fought tooth and nail 200 years ago, so we didn't have to do that. And they remember that. 100%. That would be like, what? what's a major thing that happened 200 years ago for us that we still talk about? <laughs> there are things. My goodness, yeah. The re- okay, like the what? War of Independence. The Revolutionary War. Was that 200? That was 200 and... 1776, so it's coming up to 250 years now. I thought it was, yeah, that's right. I would have thought it had been less than that. But then, like, think about what the Holocaust happened almost 100 years ago. I mean, it's like 80 years ago at this point, right? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, that's we still talk about that. We still talk about that. That is not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Right. This would be fresh in these people's minds as a history item for them, right? Right, right. And they would, and, and that's the thing. And is, they celebrate it every year. Right. Because Jews are so much more in tune with their culture than, than Americans are well, just as a whole. But, but even we, 4th of July, that is all about the war of independence right. 250 years ago. Right. We still honor that. We celebrate that. So I guess what I'm saying here is like, it's a far cry. To try and say that Jesus just snuck this in on the Jews. <laughs> it is a big stretch. Like, no way. No way did this just happen all all easily. Um, yeah, I, I thought that one was super interesting. I don't even know how you thought to go look up that book because you just kind of like – took you five minutes. Long You're nice. like, hey, by the way, I had an idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing to talk about, and this one's very simple. This one is very simple, but it, it's, it makes so much sense that this whole concept that Christianity would be based on taking a hallucinogenic wine in the sacrament to go meet God, right? That it's all based on that. And they did it so they would be, that they could be accepted into the Greeks, right? So right. they would, yeah. so they could, yeah. would, would stand out to the Greeks, right. essentially. Right, right. But the problem is, Christianity didn't need to stand out. The whole concept of needing to stand out makes no sense. Christianity would have already been appealing to the masses because it's the opposite of what everybody expected it to be. There's all these other groups rising up and saying, you know, I'm the Messiah. We're going to go to war. And then Christianity is a pacifist group. It's a guy that goes and dies for his cause. Right. That won't raise a hand. Right. That, that it's all countercultural. Therefore, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. It yeah. didn't need to be put on the map. Right. It was already on the map. People hated it, but it was on the map. Right. Um, so it doesn't make sense to say, well, we want it to be the religion that takes off. And so we're going to make it like every other religion in Greece. <laughs> You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, we're going to yeah. go look exactly like everything you're used to. And frankly, so it'll take off. I don't think the mystery religions were all that popular. They're Rome. not. They're not. Yeah. Well, but everybody knew about them. Everybody knew about them. And, and yep. there was some like contention between the Roman government and the mystery religions. So, yeah. there, the, because it kind of roared in the face of government because it's like, it's, it's a bunch of it's hippies. It's anti establishment. It's a yes. bunch of new age yes. hippies, yes. is what it is. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're just one with Dionysus, man. And I you tell know? you what, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, the festivals that they had looked a lot more like orgies than a festival. It's like the free love movement of the 1960s oh, yeah. happening yep. thousands of years ago. Yep. But Jesus's movement doesn't look like that. Not in the least. And so it's like, why would he want to mesh with that? Like, yeah. it, 
that would never make it take off is the whole point. But that's kind of Mirariski's whole point is that, well, that's why it took off. Well, that doesn't make sense. Um, here's the big one though. And this is the one I've kind of been waiting to get to. Yeah. Because had we said it first, nobody would have listened to this whole episode. It would have been, oh, yeah, yeah we can We can nail this coffin <laughs> shut in one verse. One verse. That he seemingly, as much of a Greek scholar as this guy is, he never once mentioned this verse. And here, and, and let me say the reason why I think that's a problem is we've got guys that have no idea what the Bible's about telling us what our Bible is about. Yeah. Because they're not Christians. They don't care. They read it from the perspective of a naturalist. And they pick out the parts that support their ideas. Exactly. They don't believe in God, at least not a personal God, a God that has a personality. They believe in a force, a spiritual force, or they believe in no God at all. And so they have to insert their science and their logic and their reasoning and remove every sort of supernatural element. And then they cherry pick it. Um, Not to say logic and reasoning is bad. It's very good. We should use it. And that's what we're about to do. Um, if we look at Galatians uh, 5, 19 through 20, it says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Now we'll go into 21 and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Right. Okay. Let's go read that in Greek. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that's important. Uh, Okay, Galatians 5. Uh, This is going to be KJV, so bear with me. Uh, I can actually switch it. Can I? I won't. We'll be okay. Um, Okay. It says this in 1920. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lash of, what is this? Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. What does that mean? Uh, Lustfulness. Okay. Uh, Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Okay, let's hone in on that real quick. When we get to the word witchcraft in that statement, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think about witchcraft? Honestly, Salem. I think Salem. I think um, a lot of the time in the Bible, um, like in Hebrew, the word for like witchcraft is uh, nahesh, right? Because it's supposed to be kind of like nahash, which is the snake. And so like – it kind of like aligns itself with yeah, evil, yeah, with death, yeah. with – and so like it's kind of easy to think of it in that in those terms, but not in Greek or at least not in this place in Greek. Do you know – you know. You know what word I we I know did. because you've told me. I, I know, know but it otherwise. blows my mind every time. <laughs> the word for witchcraft here is pharmakia. Ooh. The word pharmakia is the same word that we use to get pharmacy. Pharmacy. Where you go to get your drugs so you Mm. aren't sick or you aren't whatever. But look in the context of what he's saying. He's saying, uh, don't partake in here. I'm going to go back to the, like the actual readable NIV here because I, KJV just hurts my brain. I'm sorry. (laughs) The acts of the flesh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, 
idolatry, drug use, not witchcraft, we'll say drug use, drug use, (laughs) hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, and those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sounds like he's saying don't use drugs. <laughs> but more than that, it's not like don't take your Tylenol. It's like this is a self-seeking drug use. Yeah. All of these things are self-seeking. All these things right. are pleasurable. Right, right, right. All these things are to elevate yourself to your highest emotions or whatever. And he's throwing that word right in the middle of it all. Right? Yeah. So this, I don't think this is just your Tylenol. This isn't your Pepto-Bismol. This isn't – because, I mean, obviously, like, alcohol doesn't fall into that category for them because they use it. And they use it to treat even, like, stomach ailments like he tells Timothy, right? Right. So obviously, there's a time and a place to use medicines to help yourself. But that's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about drug use for the act of reaching an altered state. Is that not crazy? with that said though this is galatians this is post christ right this is after jesus has already laid out his communion yep and from the the author of the immortality keys view is that means that it's a spiked wine that gets you high enough that you meet god but then here in galatians which would be written what 70 80 years later then, then Jesus would be saying this on the on the mount. Oh no, 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 no! It's more like twelve to fifteen years. Really? Yeah, that fast. Yeah. Okay. So my point is, though, this is saying that's wrong. Absolutely. It is. So less than two decades later, this is saying no, you can't take drugs for reaching elevated states. How? How can this whole view work? And that's the whole point is it doesn't, y'all. That's right. It doesn't work. This whole thing does not not pan out. And so what do we do with this? Well, I think there's a couple ways we can look at it. We can say, oh, well, they're crazy. They're just a bunch of druggies. um, And that's wrong. And I think that's right. They are wrong. They shouldn't be doing that. But I think there's another way of looking at this whole situation. And I think it's this. I think when people take drugs like this, um, hallucinogenic drugs, when we look at the witnesses, the people that have said, I've taken this, I've got friends that I know have taken DMT and they've told me the way they've tripped and they told me what they saw and what they came in contact with. Tell me stories of of, of seeing like amorphous blobs, like black amorphous, like kind of sphere blob kind of things that want to like talk to them, want to reach them and knowing that that thing like wants to hurt them deep down. Or you look at Stephen Greer, the scientist saying, yeah, I've talked to aliens and they love me and they want to be my friend and they want to help me. Or you look at the people that trip on ayahuasca and go meet the the serpent goddess who tells you things about yourself and she opens you up to the truth of who you are. Or you look at, uh, you know, Eleusis or the, the cults of Dionysus and Bacchus and they take this to go meet God so they can know the truths of who they are. Sounds an awful lot like the serpent in the garden to me. (laughs) Yeah. And when you read what Paul says about taking, uh, uh, partaking in sacrifices, what, what was that? That, that it's the blood of demons. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. First Corinthians uh, chapter 10. Um, yeah, if you could if read that, real, that quick. real quick. Yeah, that'd be great. It's 1016. Yeah. So starting in verse 14. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You're reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, now it's talking about the Last Supper. The, yeah, that is the Last communion, Supper. Communion, yeah. Right. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? When we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? Though we're many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You can't eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. So says these are real things. There is definitely something there. There is a spiritual entity that you are making contact with when you take drugs. And Paul says, don't do that. And that's not maybe all drugs, but when you take hallucinogenic drugs like these that we're talking about today, the kind that make you go see the gods or God, right. you're, that's not God. Paul is saying you are participating with demons and you have no place to be there and in our Lord Jesus. Right. You can't have both. Jesus says the same. You can't have two fathers. You know, you're, you're either a son of God or you're a son of the devil. He says, he argues that with the Pharisees. So we have to make a decision. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we cannot participate with demons. Right. Whether you call them aliens or gods <laughs> or whatever. If you're taking drugs to go talk to something. Stop. It's a devil. It's, yeah. it's demons. It's bad. Don't do it. Um, that is what I get out of this. That is what scripture says outright over and over again. Um, we have to be really careful, y'all. And that's why we're talking about this episode. One, because we had a request. Two, because I think it's super interesting and weird. Um, but, but like, <laughs> it's important because like, this is where our culture is headed. We are more new age as a culture than we've ever been. And I'm talking like the younger generations eat this crap up. They love it. It's all about manifestation and putting out good vibes and just, you know, elevating yourself and, and being open-minded. And it all centers on stuff like this. And it's bad. So please keep your eyes open and think on what we've talked about. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. It's yeah. hard to wrap my head around entirely. But I think I think it'll bless you if you if you pray on these things seems to me that, that one of the things that may be happening is that uh, people who want to use drugs to try to enlighten themselves or, or meet, make contact with, with somebody, something from the spiritual realm, the reason they're using drugs to do that is because they want to be able to control the experience. You told me there are even some individuals that are trying to map out uh. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm curious to look that up. Uh, colleges using DMT. Yeah. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast here recently and I don't remember where. Um, but I was reading and I, I'd hate to say that this is true. Yale University 
to collaborate on phase two DMT depression study. So there are, there are colleges doing uh, depression studies, like seeing how DMT and these hallucinogenics help you with like your emotional health. This is Yale. Yeah. It's, it's like Ivy league colleges, but the one I was reading about and listen, take this with a grain of salt. I'm not saying this is true, but this is what I read. So I would urge you to read on this as well to see if this is true. Um, I don't have time to to look that up, but, but the claim was that there are colleges right now um, I said earlier that DMT is about a 15 minute trip, 10 to 15 minutes that yeah. they're giving it to students on like in their research programs. Um, they're giving it to them on an IV drip and so they can extend it to about an so hour long. Yeah. yeah. So they can make it about an hour long trip and they're trying to map out the spiritual realm. And see, my point is that that's an attempt to control. They want to be able to control what's going on. When they do that, they are actually giving control over to something, someone else. Yeah. The opposite of that is Christianity, in which we freely say, give control. Don't try to be running your own life. Give control to God. Let him take care of it. Paul, I was just looking for this, Ephesians 5, uh, 18, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you instead of filling yourself with wine. I think something that really confuses these um, philosopher types that don't really know much about Christianity, um, it should be said about Brian Morarski that he was raised Catholic. Um, It's it's no (laughs) – This is going to be my knock on Catholicism for this episode, but Catholics are not exactly known for reading their Bibles (laughs) and they wear that on their sleeve. I was just at a wedding when a Catholic guy stood up and said, hey, but we're Catholic. We don't read the Bible. That was his toast. Okay, (laughs) like it's not like this is a like I'm not trying to like hate on. I'm just saying this is just what it is because that's what the priests are there for. They read and interpret scripture for you, right. right? And so this is a guy with little biblical background. He just knows what he's been told. And now he's picking it up for the first time and he's trying to make it say what he wants it to say. But I think the thing that's hard for people to wrap their heads around is when we read things like you've got to die to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's not saying so you can then be elevated to this no. higher level of thinking. <laughs> no, it's so Christ can live through you, yeah. right? And it's not saying that I don't think for myself. No, you should think very clearly about what you're doing. You should be intentional about laying aside your own desires for the desires of God. So we're not submitting ourselves to like a force that that like elevates us and, and right. brings us to a higher mental state. We're submitting ourselves to a person. A king that says, I need you to lay down who you've been, and now I need you to become who I've made you to be. That That's totally different. It's two totally different camps. And Brian Mararski was living in the wrong one. Pray for this man (laughs) that he will see the truth. Um, Pray for all of these guys. Uh, uh, John Allegro may be dead. Terrence McKenna, I don't know. I don't know enough about these guys, but I know that Mararescu is alive. I know that people like Joe Rogan are talking about stuff like this all the time. And man, we should be praying for people like Joe Rogan and we should be praying for people like Jordan Peterson, all these guys like, I'm not saying Peterson believes this stuff, but he has had conversations about, uh, about this stuff. But my point is like anybody that's dabbling in the spiritual realm like this, that they will see the light and they will know Christ. That's yeah. what we should be praying for. Yeah. 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 Cool. 
That was a lot, y'all. But we did it. Yeah. My brain is a little melty. Let's let's next episode let's do something about fluffy bunnies, okay? Yeah. Let's, what does <laughs> what does God say about snow cones? Or yeah, like yeah. Uh, he doesn't say anything about snow cones, but they're pretty good. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Next time. Um <laughs> Y'all have a great week. Uh, please check out our friends at Life Audio. They are our partners in this podcast. They got a lot of cool podcasts over there on parenting and studying the Bible and uh, just life in general. I think they're up to like 50-some podcasts on their network now. And we're- Are we like the outlier? Everybody else is about good, wholesome things. And we come on and we talk about drugs. We're like the Howard Stern of a Christian <laughs> podcasting network, I think. We're the shock jocks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, go check them out. We like them. They're good people. And, uh, make sure to check out our new website, saltysaintspodcast.com. You can actually leave us voicemails for your questions now. I think that's the quickest, easiest way to get a hold of us. And I just test, tested it out the other day and Randy was it like worked. very, very appalled with me for sending <laughs> it in at all. He thinks I'm dumb, but I just wanted to make sure it worked. Um, I just wanted to make sure that what she said didn't. Wasn't out there for everybody. No, no, we're good. We're good. (laughs) It was fun. Um, And so with that said, uh, stay salty. We'll catch you next time. I'm Don Hawkins inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.